This is Matters of the Mind. Matters of the Mind is a podcast that's equipped to take on the everyday challenges of mental illness. Matters of the Mind focuses on mental health issues and the stigma that surrounds mental illness through information, education, and conversation. Let's begin that conversation now with Dave and Lisa. All right, so we're in the studio today and I have a special guest. His name is Anthony Sanabria. He's been a friend of mine for some time. And uh, the reason why I asked Anthony to join us today is because all this week we are delving into the topic of post-traumatic stress disorder, which lives in millions of vets across this country, and they deal with it every single day. Anthony has uh, quite a success story. His goes all the way back to the late 80s. First of all, let me introduce Anthony. How you doing, sir? How you doing? Uh, I, I really appreciate your willingness to sit down today and to talk about your story. I know that there are parts of it that are very difficult, but um, I know you to be a strong man, and I know you to be a great communicator. So I just wanted to take us all back to the late 90s. We were in the midst of Operation Desert Shield. Desert Storm and Desert Shield. Okay. And so when you were first deployed back in 88, uh, how old were you? I was about 19, I believe. Just a regular age for people that go out there. I was just trying to make a living. So fresh out of high school, you were deployed? Uh, no, I had two years to rest out of high school and then I went to the service. So what was your main uh, duty on the uh, on the ship because you were out to sea? Yeah, I was an uh, aviation ordnance man, um, which means I took care of all the ordnance, weapons, machine guns, anything that happened. There, there was uh, onboard an aircraft carrier, ammunition-wise, I took care of. And we did also ship security. So you were kind of uh, in a support role, a logistical role? More or less, yeah. We provided the weapons that they had to go out to do their jobs. And make no mistake about it, you did see the remnants of war. Yes, yes. Um, the remnants of war is we take a, a inventory of what comes in after a, a plane comes and lands, and we could physically see there was bombs, missiles missing. Obviously, when they go, you know, it means they did a job. And um, mentally, you have to f- fix yourself and, and um, think that, hey, you may have killed somebody just by doing your job. That in um, 22-hour days. And you witnessed a lot of devastation, and uh, those memories haunt you even to this day. Is that correct? Yes, yes. There's a hand-picked few that get to see the video from the cockpit of the planes. It's because we have a special clearance, and we can see what damage it did, how close it hit to where it, their target, and the devastation it did to the areas. So did it did it hit you as soon as you came home back to the mainland, or was it something that progressed over time as far as the post-traumatic stress disorder? It progressed um, over time because when you're doing your job, you have those numbers in your head, and, and you're in the zone, you're in the field. I did two tours in the Gulf, so you're doing your job, your regular job. And when you calm down from doing your job, when you're in a quiet spot, is when you have that time to reflect on what you just did. And when you see that and you see, okay, all these hundreds or thousands of people were killed, you know, innocent bystanders because of a war, it really hits you because that's not the type of person that I am, that a lot of these people that went into the service when I did, they thought there was just going to be 
you know, we're going to be there to protect somebody. But we didn't think we'd have to kill somebody, even though when you're military, that's part of your job. But as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, coming back home from after being deployed and just hauling all of those memories back home with you and then try to integrate yourself back into society. I can't imagine what that's like. How did you transition back to civilian life? It took a while, a while of uh, hit and misses with alcohol, with trying to stay up as long as I can because having that and getting involved in stuff, good or bad, because you don't want to have that quiet time where you have that time to reflect on things you did in the, that, that caused all this PTSD. As I got older, it's more uh, family-orientated, being a successful or a community-organized person, a good contributor to society, instead of just putting myself away and, you know, going in, the, in bed, putting yourself out there in the light, focusing more on my spirituality with God, my um, relationship with God, because I know, for me, that if I didn't have that relationship with God that I have now, I wouldn't be with my family. I would have probably gotten into drugs and, and alcohol. I would have been in jail. And it's just, if I didn't create that relationship with God and the community, I serve where I need to serve, and I place myself in positions that are healthy but are uncom- is uncomfortable for me because I, I, I have to get out and do something. Even though you have this PTSD, you can't fight it alone in your head. You have people that love you, people that want to understand you, meds, programs. There's a whole bunch of things we could do. You know what I hear as I listen to Anthony talk is a guy who served his country with honor and then comes back in his later years and still has the heart to serve. And that's just, uh, that touches my heart, sir. All we have is life. You could start over 10 million times, but never quit. When you quit, that's when suicides among the veterans happen. Or, or not even just veterans, people that they have non-war-related PTSD. They don't have the backing of their family. They don't try and do anything productive and do positive things every day, little things. And it's a lifetime, a lifetime of change. You're always going to have the PTSD, be on some kind of medication for something. But having an attitude of gratitude to where you are at this point right now what could you do to make a difference you can't keep yourself to yourself you have to share that part of you and it takes a long time you know i'm sitting here listening to your huge heart which i love hearing anthony's stories about his uh, stories of battle time but also you know what he's up to today and he has this huge heart to serve but at the same time, I, I, I worry about him because he, like the rest of us, have triggers. And I wanted to ask you, how do you manage your triggers today? Um, like I, I said before, you have PTSD that's and different mental disorders that happened before the war that trigger stuff from the war. The way I take care of that is try and focus. When I get a trigger, I try and either ignore it. Um, this person said this to me in a tone of voice. That reminded me of i.e. my mother or another person in my family or somebody in the service i just i try and tune it out when i get that tone of voice it just shuts off it's like i'm deaf to somebody's level of tone that took a while to get the flashbacks or that just focus on a time that will 
overcome your trigger. And that's a perfect segue into uh, what we wanted to talk about next. And that is with the holidays coming up, I think of all the vets that I see on the streets holding up signs, uh, you know, year round. But this time of the year, it just really hurts my soul to see these guys suffering when there's supposed to be joy in their life, when there's supposed to be a, a purpose. What, what would you say to those vets on the street? How can we help them better? I'd say just the season, this holiday season, to let people into your life that are going to do good. We all know who's going to do harm in your life. Let the people that want to do good for you, to you, let them into your life. Um, it's not just another day that you're holding a sign up. It's a special time to give thanks for what you have. You're breathing. You're able to walk. You're able to go to a mission, eat. You know, you're, you're able to get clothes to warm you up. Um, the simple things. Be thankful for that. There are people that love you. Let those people in. Not everybody wants to take advantage of you. And not everybody wants to destroy you just because you're a homeless vet or just homeless. Now, you work with the VA uh, through your your medical care and your psychiatric care. How would you say, how would you rate the VA today as opposed to the VA five years ago, based on your knowledge? I think it's gotten better. There's still a long way for them to get, you know, where they're supposed to be. There's a lot of programs out there that, again, you have to go search for them. The veteran, the homeless veteran, has to go out there and search for it. They don't need to be homeless. There's, there's housing for them. There's food, clothing, everything for them. The VA is not going to give you that information. You have to go and get it. Which is very, very unfortunate because that information should not only be readily available to them, but it should be one of the first things that's handed to them when they come back from uh, being deployed. I don't know if that's happening today or not, but uh, I know for uh, based on what my daughter has told me, who's based at Pendleton in Southern California, she says that when a lot of these guys come back from you know being deployed and they exit the military, they basically wind up just outside the gates because they feel like they've uh, and they I mean homeless because they feel like you know their purpose is over and you know that's it that's the end of life they're going to just shrivel up and die on a city uh, street somewhere and we have to do something to keep that from happening anymore yeah I I agree with that me personally every well now everybody gets that gets out has a separation class that lasts about a week or so I was supposed to go through that class but I was denied to go through that class even though I wasn't it was it was something I needed to go everybody goes through when they get out but I was denied uh, to go through it by the people that were in charge of me on a ship so I didn't have that separation class kind of like the veteran the the, the um, Vietnam veterans didn't have a separation class you just went out there this is the job you did you got your DD-214 after a little bit you were just thrown to the sharks now there is a lot of programs for the veterans coming out. There's starting to be more programs for the active service member before they get out. Um, But once you get out, the military is not gonna help you. It's all the VA and it's all you, how productive you are, how much do you wanna dig into the benefits 
that are out there for you that the VA has. I mean, there is a booklet online you can get that's updated every, I don't know, two years of the benefits you get. But the problem with a lot of vets is they come back and they're still experiencing shock and awe and focus and motivation and things like that aren't a part of their daily routine. I mean, how do we get these vets up off the streets and into the services that they so desperately need. They have to file a claim at the VA for their percentage of PTSD. That takes, it took me 10 years to get where I am. I am 100% service connected. Um, they break down each and every injury in the war. They look through your whole medical record, your where your theaters of action you were in. An example, if I just came back from Iraq, I'm totally mentally incapable to take care of myself. It would be still up to me to go to the VA and start that paperwork because they will not give you medical treatment unless you go ahead and uh, file the correct paperwork, tell them what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. get a physical and all that. What's a problem this day is is taking way too long for us veterans to get the treatment we need because the paperwork is so backed up. So, you know, again, if I just came from Iraq or Afghanistan, just got out, here I am, I have all these problems, it's going to take me about two months just to fill out the paperwork for them to see me. The bureaucracy of it is the problem. There's a lot of programs out there that the VA qualifies you for. The whole thing is the veteran has to go ahead and step in there and figure it out. I suggest that anybody that comes back from a theater of war or active service, first thing to do is go get a percentage in the the VA. Sign up for VA medical health because from there, that's where you have to climb that gradual mountain to get to your benefits. So here we are. You're now close to 30 years removed from uh, active duty, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so all of these years, 30 years, how has the after effects of war, specifically PTSD, affects, how does it affect your current life? Oh, every every day it does. uh, Like I said, for the triggers, um, there's physical, verbal triggers, visual tri- triggers that'll kick up the PTSD. Luckily, I'm on medication, counseling. It's a very important thing to use both and to try and have your loved ones understand what you're going through. Yeah, it's just a lot of the family members that, uh, of veterans don't want to go through that. That's where a lot of divorces happen um, with, with military personnel. It's just that the understanding is what we need. So I just want to say in closing here that Anthony's been my friend for uh, several years now. And when I first met Anthony, he was in the throes of his PTSD. I mean, he was classic. All of his symptoms were displayed. And I could tell right off the bat that this was a guy that I could relate to just because of his behavior. What I want to encourage you to do is to help identify those people in your community, whether they're vets or whether they're uh, non-combat related PTSD. PTSD sufferers. Seek those people out. Let them know that you see at least a glimpse of what they're going through and uh, you know, just assure them that you want to be a part of their life and that you want to be a part of the solution and not the problem. So I want to thank Anthony again for joining us today on a very special edition of Matters of the Mind, our Veterans Day edition. Um, just hearing this man's heart is incredible and I know that there's a lot of vets out there who are just like Anthony. They have huge hearts and what I would do to encourage 
encourage you is to say, find your purpose. Maybe it is within the Veterans Administration. Maybe it's with Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, find a purpose. And I think you'll be amazed of how much that helps you to progress in your healing. And another thing that we didn't touch on that I think we'll touch on at another time is your service dog. Um, Anthony is uh, privileged enough to have a service dog, a PTSD trained service dog. And it's amazing to see, you know, the interaction between these two. And again, uh, we're going to delve into the whole pet therapy thing here in the coming weeks as far as the influence that pets have on us, those of us who um, struggle with mental illness. And again, Anthony, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Dave. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to add your comments below and tell us what you thought of the show. Join us next time for another episode of Matters of the Mind. We invite you to be a part of the conversation. Live and learn with us. Matters of the Mind is a Fresh Air Media presentation.